You're no, 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 part two. Oh, no. It's my the Staddy show, oh, Staddy time. Okay. You're listening to the dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is a bicycle podcast where each week I, Gareth Reynolds, oven mitt wearer, ugh, bath taker, shaker of martinis. Oh, my God. Reads the second part of a story from American history to my lovely friend. David Anthony, who has no idea what the story is going to be about. Spoiler. <laughs> it's going to be connected to last week's. I, I, I would just like to say, I, I feel like when I do that, I, I put some life into it. And I put some I energy agree. and I put do some love. Agree. I put don't love. agree. Don't agree. A lot, a lot of people what I just did... What I just did was performance. It was perfect. Unbelievable. Okay. What what you did was like was like watching a seal die in a desert. That's how that's Why how Why would felt. I take my cat to the desert, asshole? I'm just saying. You know you will at some point. And that's how Jose ends. You know what is gonna be the best part about that? He'll be burying his poop all over. What the fuck does that even mean? It has how much poop the... does he have? Let's let's start. <laughs> what? That's like watching a man give up. Because <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> and called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, Rose. Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Rhoda. Rhoda at the court. I think we can say that I have a COVID laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you've is that appropriate i yeah he might have but you're you've you've had a covid laugh before covid no no i i was the first covid laugh for sure yeah all right david let's have another rip pass Part it to the left two 1969 so like i said it's 1969 richard nixon is in charge he stacked his administration with loyalists, elevating those who had his back and firing uh, those who didn't. Among his loyal people were the previously mentioned maniac, G. Gordon Liddy, who led the busts of Leary's at his Millbrook Haven. Now, you know this, Dave, but maybe some don't. Nixon had inherited the Vietnam uh, War, and the country was pissed. There was violence, aggressive activism yep. in the streets in the country. Sounds crazy, I know. During yep. the same time period... Inmate 26358, a.k.a. Timothy Leary, had been serving his sentence in the Orange County Jail. But on May 13th, 1970, he was transferred to CMC West in San Luis Obispo, a minimum security facility with mostly older criminals. So Leary gets himself... All the time going to school. Okay, so Leary intentionally gets himself placed there by manipulating the psychological tests that he basically came up with. So they're like trying to see where his head at as far as his future. And he's when, like, oh, I basically wrote these questions. When did he write these? This is back. He came up with this thing called the Leary Circle, I believe. Like, he, he, he'd had a number of breakthroughs 
um, genuine thing. Like he was, he was known for his psychology for sure. Like he was on the radar, um, but yeah. he came up with this thing called the Leary Circle, I think, which kind of matched. Um, it, it matched different parts of your personality with, it was just kind of a way to um, make connections about personality and behavior. But it was, it's also claimed that he ripped that off and he just took someone else's idea and put it in a circle and he just kind of marketed it. But, um, but either way, there were a number of things like he wrote papers and stuff and people were like, um, you know, but, but this, this test was probably based around something like that. And so he was just like, oh, I know exactly what they're asking me. So he just fills it out so that it's kind of tailoring him to go to this place. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so as he's led into the building, the jailer informed Tim that here they, called the, they were called dormitories and not cells. And oh boy, was Tim in the right place. Um, so they had guards there. They had sharpshooters like oh, a jail. No. Is he going to start fucking? But uh, no, don't worry about that. No. <laughs> well, actually... He did fuck while he was there. I'm not. He, there was some some woman who I can't remember what he said, but he said she was as wet as an octopus. Was the way he what put the it. What so, fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh was, my god! So it was a horrifying thing. I thought I'd leave out. Can but we you pushed end me. the podcast? You pushed me. You pushed me here. You pushed me here. Jesus Christ! So they have guards. They have sharpshooters. But really, the only barrier is a 12 foot high barbed wire fence outside. Right. Yep, so I've seen it. So you'll attest to this. So it's basically what we put around the White House, but half. Um, so Rosemary is trying to raise money for Tim. So she has a fundraiser in New York, uh, and she does it with Jimi Hendrix. But sadly, the event was a bust. Someone put acid in the punch. Jim Morrison read some. <laughs> Jim Morrison read some really weird poetry, and people freaked out and hid under tables, afraid of purple lizards. I mean, um, look. <laughs> do not do not go to any sort of Timothy Leary function if you. Don't want to get dosed. You're can going you, to get dosed. Can you imagine seeing that lineup and being like, ooh, punch. <laughs> ooh, bit of punch. I'm sure this is fine. Woo. Yeah, that, there's certainly no tasteless or odorless chemicals inside of this punch. And the cool thing about punch, it means it's liquid acid, which is much more powerful. And if you oh, just drink more, you. if yeah. you just happen to be really thirsty, well, then you're going to be out of your mind. Ooh, I tell you, I'm going to go for another round of that great punch. That's your eighth, Alan. I love it, dear. Honey, <laughs> just, why are you a spider? He just runs through a wall. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so the event was a total shit show. They raised $5,000, but the event cost eight to put on. So I don't know much about <laughs> economics, but I think that's good. It's not good. Oh, okay. Um, so Rosemary could clearly see that Tim had realized he was in a very bad spot. Rosemary, quote, he was coming up with some pretty crazy schemes. Why couldn't I get a helicopter with a grappling hook and have a yacht waiting offshore? End quote. Um, oh so God. Tim now has a new lead lawyer named Michael Kennedy. Michael Kennedy was 33 and he had a horseshoe mustache. Once, after winning a case, the prosecutor smugly said to Kennedy, quote, well, Mr. Kennedy, it looks like we'll be trying the clients of yours all over again. We'll do better next time. And Kennedy replied, is that what you think, shithead? Why don't you and I step outside right now and settle this? Oh, my God. That's me. Oh, yeah. I finally entered the story. <laughs> we completely have you. A hundred percent. So Nixon, meanwhile, is going nuts in the White House. On May 4th at noon, under a fog of tear gas at Kent State, 100 guardsmen, gas masks, armed with bayoneted rifles, start moving to disperse a crowd of several hundred students peacefully protesting. Within 24 minutes, it was mayhem. 13 seconds, guardmen had, guardmen had unloaded 67 shots in the crowd. Now four students were dead. 
Nine were wounded, and among them, one paralyzed from the waist down, just like that. So, yes. So the the people who are supposed to be doing, uh, controlling the law actually uh, did the violence? Yeah. It's crazy, right? Wow. The protectors. Strange. I never, I I never heard of that. I'll tell you, Dave, it certainly doesn't feel like we've been talking about this shit for six years. <laughs> um, so a radical group known as the Weathermen, eventually the Weather Underground, had released a declaration of state of war. In it, they had stated, quote, revolutionary violence is the only way, end quote. Now, Nixon is freaked out. But luckily for Tim, the Weather Underground were looking to bust him out because it would, quote, be a real poke in the eye to California and the drug laws. A big fuck you, end quote. Now, in jail, Tim... Is, let me just say, as far as uh, revolutionary ideas, this is super off the path. Uh, this is... <laughs> busting a guy who's into acid at a jail is not part of the revolution. Yeah, I, it, it, it truly isn't. It's... <laughs> It, it Again, I mean, you just like you even hear the, the realm of thought and you're just like, why are you going down? Why are you doing this one They're Like, no, it's completely you know, absurd. It just it's like it's just like it's what a th- it's what I imagine a think tank is. It's just a bunch of shitheads just agreeing on a shitty thing together. Well, the weather, but mostly a bunch of privileged white dudes who got into the revolution. So, oh, I was talking more about Nixon. Sorry, I didn't know you were talking oh. about the weather. Yeah, no. The, yes, for sure. The weather underground is. Not without fault, for sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so in jail, Tim meets a pres- uh, prisoner, not a president. That's Nixon. He's not. He's not in jail with him. That'd be fun. That comes later. That's later. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess I owe you, and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> as he hands him his cornbread at dinner, we're gonna have my cornbread if we make it up to you. <laughs> I feel pretty terrible about all that stuff that I shot your way. Yes, you do a good Nixon. Well, I um. Been thinking about him a lot lately. You know? <laughs> uh, so he meets Tim meets a prisoner named Bellinger, who told him that he knew the ins and the outs of the place. Now Tim's intrigued. Bellinger said, in order to escape the prison, Tim needed to get his ass in shape first. June fifth, nineteen seventy. Nixon is not on acid, but he's acting like he might be. He eats his usual lunch: cottage cheese and a stack of pineapple rings. He's okay, drinking already right what? there. You're no a problem? fucking lunatic. You're what? a fucking lunatic. You know, if you're eating you? cottage cheese and pineapples and you're the president, you're out of pineapple your fucking rings. mind. Rings. No, rings. Fuck it. It's a crazy meal. But then you can put the rings in a stack and then you can put the cottage cheese in them. So it's just sort of I, like I can't. It's the core of bullshit. your pineapple earth. It's a shit meal. It's lazy. It's bad. It's agree. not good. Cottage told- cheese can also go fuck itself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we, we finally agree. <laughs> that, that is the lunch well he's also drinking like crazy like at night he's drinking like nuts um i mean i don't even know if you know that you probably know the story but um he basically when they're the, after kent state they're protesting and he is just shit-faced and so he goes he basically at three thirty in the morning calls his uh valet named i can't remember his name i can't remember his name but he and he tells him to take him to the lincoln memorial he gets out of his car he gets out of lincoln memorial 4 a.m and there's like protesters sleeping all over and he like wakes some of them up and he just starts shooting the shit with them. And they're just like, what is going on? And he's hammered. He's just like, so you guys probably think I'm a pretty bad guy, you know? And they're just like, what? They're like wiping sleep out of their eyes, you know? And then, and then he starts talking about surfing. He's like, do you gentlemen surf? And they're like, yeah, we kind of surf. He's like, you know, they have pretty good, uh, 
surfing up there on the coast over there, you know? And they're just like, what? And then he's like reined in, you know? So anyway, so, but he's, he's crazy. So he's drinking like nuts. And recently he's been seen on the White House lawn with a secret, by a secret service agent when he's with his dog, whose name is King Timahoe. And mm -hmm. uh, Nixon pulls out a dog biscuit, sniffs it, and eats it himself. So, well, look. Have you ever sniffed a dog biscuit? I have, and they're absolutely horrifying. And it's eating almost them is... impossible not to pop it in your mouth after you sniff a dog Just biscuit. Imagine the Secret Service guy being like, "Oh, he's going to give his dog a treat. Oh my God, he ate it. I need to get a new job. I need to leave this job." Well, oh, what's this? A rawhide bone? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, don't mind me. I had pineapple and pig's ears. <laughs> uh, so that went, July... little, that went a little danger field. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, but people don't respect me. I tell you. Uh, 1970, July. Tim is playing a lot of handball to get in shape for whatever this elaborate prison break is the Bellinger has. So once he's out, he will join the Weather Underground. Then he'll leave the country. The plan. I'm sorry. Is I'm sorry. I thought you said Tim is playing a lot of handball to get in he shape. Yep, he's playing a lot of handball in prison to get in shape. That's the kind of facility he's at. Do you know what I mean? Like, how out of the realm of reality is that now? Oh. No, Look, even if, at these, if you're, if you're getting in shape in prison, you're fucking doing a whole workout thing yeah. with with. If, this is the prison that if they weren't going to kill Epstein, he would have gone to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's the plan. The plan is called Juju Eyeballs, based off of the Come Together lyric. And the truth Wait, is, what the, it has a it has an it has a name. The yeah. plan to escape has a name. Yeah, Juju Eyeballs, baby. What the fuck is happening? Juju eyeballs. Uh, look, we can't just call it uh, getting out. We got to have a really it's, good. It really name. is insane because he's literally only talking to Rosemary, who could just, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's for them on the inside, but still, you just gotta, get to Tim out. Um, so uh, the, the truth is, the Weather Underground would have preferred to break out a bigger criminal, but uh, Tim's uh, prison seemed pretty easy, and they needed the money. He's paying for it. They're paying like oh, okay. They're paying like twenty-five grand to do it. Well, where the um, fuck do you get that money? She Rosemary like raises the, the eternal sunshine dudes are they constantly step up. So they constantly anytime he needs money, they get it together. And I'm I'm pretty sure they got this money together to pay the weather. Okay. Um so uh so Tim finally it's all set. So he goes up to Bellinger and he insists, what's the secret of escaping? So Bellinger leads him to the fence and he says softly, While the guards go and make their coffee, Tim needs to climb the fence, claw through the barbed wire with his hands land on the other side and roll down a hill. And Tim is speechless that the elaborate, well-thought-out plan is quite simply fence. neither of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would actually... But he's... So this guy... And this has a this has a, a name Juju eyeballs is that what it is No that's not Juju eyeballs that's okay. so so Juju eyeballs starts once he leaves and the escape but Tim has oh. to figure his own way out so Bellinger is his conduit to but he's like cryptically like I'll get you out of here and then he's like you got to put barbed wire through your hands and he's like that's just not a plan Look it's foolproof man all you got to do is climb the fence and roll down the hill Look run full speed through the fence Here's the thing. Once you drop down on the other side, start yelling, I'm a barrel, I'm a barrel, and roll down. And they're going to think, this guy's a barrel. They're not going to go, they're not going to think you're a dude. Let me ask you this, if that's the plan. Why have you not done this plan, if that's such a good plan? If you oh, know that this is a perfect plan. So, fuck, man, I'm allergic to barbed wire. 
I have been I, since every, I was a kid. Everybody's allergic. I'm super allergic. Like if I go through barbed wire, I get cuts and I get Everybody, scraped. that's what barbed wire is. That's barbed so wire. I've been, aller- that's I've been the allergic to barbed wire. a long time. You should I'm listen also, to this podcast because they talked uh, about it. What? I'm also not, I have a, I have a, a spinal condition, which doesn't allow me to roll down hills. So okay. this is a great. I would do this in a fucking heartbeat, man. Right, except you're but, allergic but to barbed wire. But if bar- I do bar- it, wire, first of all, you're one of those freaks who barbed wire cuts his hands. Yeah, 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 right. man. I can't go through it. If I right. go through it, I come out the other side a bloody mess. Right, and that's just that's just okay. like that's well, genetics, I'm glad you know? I'm glad I waited a couple months to get this. That's good. Yeah, so yeah. thank you for that. That's awesome. I'm not going to eat lunch with you any longer, by the way. Oh, can I have your cottage cheese? Uh, yep, absolutely. That is a huge red flag. <laughs> Uh, okay, so September 12th, uh, after the 8.15 p.m. final head count, Tim gets his shoes, changes to black laces. He puts on his handball gloves that he's painted black. Uh, so, And he sneaks out a door, which sounds pretty easy. So he sneaks out a door, and are you listening to me, David? Yes, he sneaks out a door. Okay, so he sneaks out a door, he climbs a tree, he gets on the roof, and then there's this heavy black cable that runs from the roof to the fence. So he, with no time, he grabs it and he begins to kind of, you know, pull himself along um, the, the cable. Who's, who, what kind of a setup is this? The setup is insane. Why do they have like a Roadrunner Acme escape it's, system set up I, at a jail? If you heard this today, you'd be like, this is guards just want to shoot people. <laughs> like, the, but he, I couldn't figure out any, he snuck out a door. Like right off the bat, it's like, what? He snuck out a door, climbed a tree, got on a roof, and started going across on a black rope. Like it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's literally the worst like it prison have just, setup ever. I bet you there was a sign with an arrow that said "escape route." <laughs> um. So so he gets the cable with no time to lose. He grabs it. He's pulling himself along, and as he's making his way along, he realizes what was the point of getting in shape if he was continuing to smoke. So he's like getting gassed so much further than he oh. thought. So he's going through the plan in his head for when he gets over the fence. So he goes over the fence. He gets to Highway 1, finds this car with the hazards on near these three trees, uh, and Tim's code name is Nino. So that's what he's got. So he gets it out. He makes it over the fence. He goes to where they are. He meets up with them. He changes his clothes, and he gives his prisoner jumpsuit to a car that's headed south to throw the cops off while he gets another clothes, heads north, which I guess had not been done a lot back then because now that seems like the no-brainer. But also heading south, uh, there's not there's like two miles of road before you get to the town. So they think that he's going to San Luis Obispo. No, they were trying to make him think that that he was going to L.A. That's what because they okay. went they went and threw they threw the clothes out like you know an hour down the way so that they'd be like okay. aha he's headed this way. Okay. okay. Um, so then after the escape, Tim and the Weather Underground released a statement, and Tim ended it with warning. I should be considered armed and dangerous to anyone who threatens my life or my freedom, uh, which was quite a change from the Tim Leary that had been preaching love so much earlier. Well, it's now, like it's 1970 now, so it's a different you know, time. It's a gear change. That's right. That's time to get violent. That's right. Um, so Dick, who uh, had now Dick Alpert, who had now gone to India, had a spiritual breakthrough, and now was known simply as Baba Ramdas. Said, All right, "I got, I got to go." Said. <laughs> Said, quote, one more thing we do not need is one more nut with a gun. (laughs) I can't believe that's what's crippling you. Oh, shit. Well, uh, so listen. But Ramdas, uh, Ramdas is, uh, he, you'll, there's, there's not a lot more about him, but Ramdas is an amazing person. He, Dick Alpert became 
uh, Ramdas, and he became such a. He just spoke. He became what you would have imagined Tim Leary would have become. Like where okay. Tim kind of becomes this criminalist, kind of criminalistic guy. Ramdas is like floating on clouds, like in front of people, going like, "You need to breathe easier." And everyone's like, "Ramdas." Right, right, right. um, so Tim's Leary, uh, Timothy Leary's message sent shocks of worry through the Nixon White House. Nixon worried that this would inspire more to join the Weather Underground, and it could go all the way to the White House gates. Imagine. Treasury Secretary <laughs> John Connolly told Nixon he needed, quote, a bad guy. Yes. Uh, they decided Hello, they wanted G. to. Link, Gordon Liddy. They decided they wanted to link Leary with all of the drug culture of the time. Nixon labeled him, quote, the most dangerous man in America. And after he'd done that. Oh, they, my God. That they, is the. Uh, this guy is the most dangerous man in America. Jesus yep. fucking Christ. He's literally just getting people high. Why don't you fucking relax? America? Keep in mind, they're in America's in Vietnam. Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what your balls. But he. OK, so he's like, he's the most dangerous man in America. And That's they, actually Kissinger. <laughs> well, who's close? Uh, and then once he comes up with that, they all start chanting and laughing and going, Leary, Leary, Leary. <laughs> so anyway, Tim's out, right? So Tim now needs a new identity. So he heads to Utah where Bill Ayers forged a birth certificate, a social security card, and a hunting license for him. Tim shaved his head to appear balding, donned a brown suit, looked like a total square. Three hours later, Tim had a passport. Sorry, William McNillis had a passport. So they just took a dead, a guy who died at four and they got his passport with a birth certificate, a social security card and a hunting license. By the way, that that's the only piece of advice my dad gave me that I didn't do anything about that. I regret to this day was when I was about 15, he said, find, find someone who died when they were uh, young (laughs) Get their social security number, start using it a little bit, and then if anything ever happens, you will have a second uh, identity to use. Man, that's just like someone being like, you know, there's this uh, new company called uh, Sony that you might want, you're just like, I don't need, I don't need. Like, it's... Amazing. That's so, it's terrible, but it's so, it'd be so great now where you'd be like, well, oh. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm off to the Canary Islands. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where are you going, Dave? Dave, I'm Patrick Llewellyn. Take care, everyone. <laughs> um, okay, so he's got his passport. So he packs his fake WM monogrammed suitcase along sure. with some aftershave that's full of liquid acid. Now, mm-hmm. at this point, Tim has literally been tripping every day for years. Uh, even no, not in jail. In jail, not in jail. No. Well, okay. actually, she would. She would sneak him. He would get snuck acid in jail. He didn't take I mean, it every day. Easiest thing to sneak in. They would. She Rosemary would sneak it in on her, um, on her tongue, under her tongue, and then they'd kiss, and she'd pass it. And oh, then liquid later, in a, liquid in a bottle. I would assume. No, no uh, paper. And then, uh, oh. and then they would wow. also people would put it under their fingernails. The paper. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, he meets up with Rosemary in Seattle, and it was decided that Algeria was the place to go. Sure. Now, yeah, it sounds a little random, but uh, they had no extradition treaty with the U.S. They were socialist. They hated mm-hmm. Nixon, and they had become a home for leftist fugitives. They had granted asylum yeah. to Black Panther Eldridge Cleaver, uh, who was on the run for yes. murder charges. Now, Eldridge Cleaver had run for president and said, quote, we don't need a war on poverty. What we need is a war on the rich, end quote. And, and if remember... A- this is where George 
Jackson and the uh, those guys were planning on going. Yep. It was Algeria. Yes. Yeah, it we, was a big hot spot. Yep, he, totally. And um, so, and also, if he was elected president, he promised that in regards to the White House, his presidential promise was to quote, "burn that motherfucker down." Sure. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty good. I mean, I actually would vote for that right now. Uh, it's, it's, I think Biden has said basically that on accident, right? We're going to burn it down, right? Shouldn't we? Well, he's got a Are hammock we? covering his face. Uh, why, can I ask you this? Let me just ask you this very quickly. Yeah. Why, why do we live in a world where we, can, we have one shithead who won't wear a mask and is like yeah. shutting down factories making swabs because he won't wear a mask, and then the other guy just has to overmask and just has to put... A pair of pants on his mouth. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's the same with, it's the same with, we have one guy who's like, no, you should be able to kill him. And then you have the other guys like, no, no, knees, knees. <laughs> what? Well, it turns out old people are all fucking crazy. Well, it is, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, so Tim got to Algeria and he felt free and safe for the first time in a while. He could stop sweating Nixon, but Eldridge Cleaver was dubious but when he heard that uh, Reagan hated Tim because he ran for governor against him, Eldridge was in. Now he liked him. You yes. see, Reagan once canceled one of Cleaver's speeches at Berkeley, so hundreds of students protested. Reagan sent out riot police who shot tear gas, beat people, broke windows, and set fires. So Cleaver fired back with a speech that said, quote, Fuck you, Ronnie. I challenged him to a duel to the death, and he could choose his own weapon. It can be a baseball bat, a gun, a knife, or a marshmallow. I'll beat him to death with a marshmallow. End quote. Very cool. I mean, I would pay money to see a man beat another man to death with a marshmallow. And the truth is, it, you can absolutely see it. Like, who? wait, stop now. Ow. Some, but at some point, the marshmallow becomes your fist. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, for sure. You're just, yeah, it's true. But Reagan wouldn't know. He'd just be like, good dog. That's my friend. <laughs> Nancy. Um, So when Rosemary joined Tim in Algeria, she was not very crazy about the setup. You see, Eldridge had some views on women that were not associated with freedom fighters. Her first full day, Tim said that it would be a good sign of faith for her to go into the kitchen and do some dishes in front of Eldridge. Cleaver had also talked about raping white women in his book, Soul on Ice. So, you know, that is obviously not cool. That's why we have it done. That's why we haven't done an episode on him. Yeah, I can imagine the stuff. It's because he's yes. a fucking genius. But then totally, but there's but that become, part. And I mean, he well, distanced himself from it at later in life, but still, he's actually there. There are actually so many parallels between the two of them. The oh. way that the sort of you know, I mean, the 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 way if you, you really change somebody when you put someone under the kind of pressure. And stress that, you know, like Tim was put under and Eldridge to some extent, you know, like, like you're getting squeezed. You're just like, you're, you're on the run. I mean, that just fucks with your head. You say crazy shit. Not that I, I'm just saying what he said makes sense. It obviously does not. Also, there's just a shitload of dudes who we consider to be brilliant minds who have this just insane view on women. Huge blind spot, yeah. We act like it's not a thing, but then you go, oh, really? Einstein was a monster? Like, you just get into people's lives. Einstein married his cousin, right? Einstein was so fucked up when it came to women, like a monster. Well, we need to go to, where, Austria? We gotta go do, we gotta go there and do one. 
<laughs> Just, you could do Einstein. Um, so Tim got worried when Eldridge told him that his history with drugs could be a red flag for the Algerian government. Plus, the U.S. now is a little more interested in Algeria's oil under the Sahara, and it turns out Algeria wouldn't hate all that American money. So Cleaver, on Tim's behalf, went to the government and made the case that Tim was a respected Harvard professor, jailed for his hatred of war in Vietnam, and Cleaver skillfully left out all the stuff about the acid and the fact that Tim is white. Um, So Nixon found out that Leary's in Algeria. So Nixon sends an advisor there to paint Leary as this drug advocate who seems sexually perverse. And so when the when uh, Nixon's liaison is saying that, the most shocking part to the Algerian minister is that Tim is white. And the rest is crazy, but he's like, what? He's white? Like, they just completely assume Black Panther. Yeah, because he's, like, with the Black Panthers now. (laughs) So, like, they just assume he's a black guy, and then Eldridge leaves it out because they obviously believe that, and he's like, I don't want to fuck with anything. So then this guy's like, yeah, he's taking drugs, he's sexually perverse, I mean, he's a white, and they're like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, what, 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 what? He is white, (laughs) Like French white, like that kind of white. <laughs> yeah. So, so the Algerian media picks up this story, and they had to run one clarification that said, "quote Timothy Leary is in fact a white man." Ah. Uh, so the Algerian president was obsessed with the Palestine Liberation Organization, uh, the PLO. So Cleaver thought it would be a good call for Tim to go to Palestine and get a pick with the PLO, and then the press could print that, and then that would make him look good to the Algerian president. So Tim is desperate to get into Algeria, so th- oh he's going to go. So he goes with a couple other people, and on his flight to Beirut, Tim sits next to this young hippie-ish photographer who like, sees Tim. He's still got his bald head, but he's like, are you Timothy Leary? And Tim, who loves his fans, admitted that it was him. No. <laughs> so- Yes. So, and he also agreed to a photo op with the guy, which the Panthers that he was with did not like and shut it down real quick. But the hippie photographer talked about this encounter. And by the next day, the media was all over Tim and Nixon knew too. So he's, he's, they try to have him extradited uh, and they put the pressure on him, but Beirut has no interest in this headache. Right. So they they don't want to seem like they're not helping out, but they also don't want Leary there. So they wink Tim Leary up and they push him to the airport and they fly him out right away. And then they just tell Nixon, like, oh, damn it, we were going to get him, but he snuck out. Sorry. You know, so they just don't want to get involved. Now, the Algerians, meanwhile, are realizing that they have quite a bargaining chip in Leary, who, again, as crazy as it sounds, is white. Um, Now, Cleaver is. He's not he's not a huge fan of Tim. They kind of don't see the world eye to eye. But Cleaver is also running law on money. So he starts demanding $10,000 from Tim for security. God but Tim's it. broke. So Tim's like, I don't have money, you know. And, and any mail he gets, Eldridge goes through and takes the money out. So he has John and Yoko send him 5K on, on the lowdown <laughs> the under a fake happening? name in Algeria. Um <laughs> But but even that wasn't enough. He just he doesn't have enough money. So he needs money. So he he asks his lawyer. He asks Mick Jagger. Nothing. So, oh, my God. Kind of screwed. Right. So then Tim and Rosemary, their situation in Algeria sours. They're they're being watched. They're being followed. Eldridge is going a little crazy. They were basically prisoners. Eldridge removed the, uh, moved them to an old office building where they were expected to live and sleep on a soiled mattress. They had armed guards outside. You would think he would be used to that after every place he's been living and, and the fucking yeah, life he, he's been living. For sure. But he's also like, oh, my God, Algeria. And now he's like, wait, what? I'm in yeah. a, a hotel jail? Yeah, it's a um, shithole. So, you, can't, you can't escape. You can't. I mean, it's just 
once you start jumping from country to country, you're just you're going to be in some bad situations. Well, he's he's still in Algeria now, but yeah, exactly. Like he's there's a lot of problems. So so Eldridge has an armed guard outside of their door, keep a watch on him, and he's taken both of their Rosemary and Tim's passports, their real ones and their fake passports. He's taken. So Tim and Rosemary both wanted out. So he lies to Cleaver and he says he's actually thinks he's going to get a check for $10,000 finally to pay him, but he needs his passport to collect it. He actually needs Rosemary's passport to, to collect it too. And Eldridge is like, wait, why do you need hers? And he's like, oh, it's just, we got, it's a joint account. You got it. Double, you, double it's a, check. It's a thing. I've got, it's thing. the Blues Brothers speech. It's like, I have to sign it <laughs> at the same time on the dash. <laughs> So uh, in the meantime, Tim is making frantic calls for cash and the Brotherhood of Eternal Love again bail him out. So Cleaver gives them their passports back. But then Tim tells uh, Eldridge that they're going to go to the beach one day. And Eldridge Eldridge gets hot mad, partially because he doesn't want to lose Leary, but also because he's, he's in a bad mood because there was a cartoon printed in the latest Black Panther newspaper where his dick was made as small as a dot. Uh, <laughs> either way... Either way, he oh wants my God. the passport back. <laughs> the shit that works oh. is just incredible. You're doing yeah. all these psyops, you're doing all these fucking psychological games, and you just gotta yeah. you just gotta make a guy's dick the size of a dot in a cartoon. No, you know they're 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 there's so much like exactly. There's so many, they're playing him on so many levels, and then he looks in the paper and sees a cartoon. He's like, I will kill. So Tim gets assured by the Algerian president that he was okay to stay in the country. He'd already ordered uh, Cleaver to leave Tim alone. However, the seeds of dissatisfaction were made. Plus, he and Rosemary decided they wanted a baby. Well, I just realized Rosemary's baby. Um, but she oh. needed a surgery. Yeah, it happens. It's only the 800th time I've read that sentence. Um, <laughs> so she needs a surgery in order to have the baby. And they're like, we're not going to get this in Algeria. They want to go to Europe. And around the same time, Tim is contacted about doing the psychedelic revolution, which is an event in Denmark. And Leary's hopeful that that might be a good new home. This would be a good way to kind of grease the wheels. So they, they would not promise asylum, but they would guarantee that he would not be extradited for the journey. So they're like, fuck it. They're going for it. Leave in Algeria. They snuck off. However, they were stopped in custom, the customs line in Algeria. They missed their flight to Copenhagen, uh-huh. and they were eventually able to get on a flight a few days later, but the government had decided they were going to take their fake passports. So from now on, they have to fly under their real passports, yeah. and they would not be allowed to return to Algeria once they left. So well, that doesn't sound like a big loss. I mean, coming to back, going back to Algeria sounds like that was already off the table. I mean, they're yeah. fleeing. They totally, they are fleeing. Yeah. So they, you so they can't go come it. back to the place you're escaping from. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. 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 The McDonald's that has been closed down for food inspection. They're like, <laughs> yeah, you got you kicked out of here. It's like, I'm not coming back here. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm literally I, I don't escaping. want to be here. Yeah. Your friend too. You're blackballed. They're closing <laughs> your business. You ain't coming back now. <laughs> so, um, so they sneak off. And uh, Nixon's team, obviously, is on top of all this. They know they're making the trip. And the Danish and U.S. authorities have communicated, and they're planning on arresting Tim when he lands. So on a layover in Switzerland, Tim told a friend of his, like, if there's anything going on there, let me know. He gets a telegraph from that buddy in Denmark that says Copenhagen is crawling with the piggies. So... Tim and Rosemary skip their connecting flight and they just leave the airport uh, and they head to Geneva to stay with uh, friends of a friend. Now, throughout all of this, our good buddy G. Gordon Liddy is by Nixon's side, yep. fueling his fear that either it's capture Leary or lose the battle against the counterculture. For context, 
Gordon Liddy is a freak. He overcame his fear of lightning by climbing a tree during a thunderstorm. He beat his fear of rats by killing and eating one. This was as a kid. And one of Nixon's aides well, once said, quote, Liddy's a Hitler, but at least he's our Hitler. I mean, we've all eaten a rat to cure our fear of rats. That's, that's how I got like, over mine. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's like, you yeah. know. Yep. It's just part that's of being the, a kid in America. Well, I don't know. Why do you have to eat it? Well, it seems like it's a extra step. It shows you that you're not afraid when you're literally consuming you've, you've, it. You're you've like, done well, that when you've killed it. You've been like, wow, no, I got over you've that. you killed it, but it, it's it's like now I devour it because It's primal. I, I get am, it. Yeah, you get it. It's not abnormal to eat the heart of your prey, but it's okay. So, it's the same um, thing I did with my buddy Larry when I was in fifth grade. Sure, right. right. I'm afraid of Larry. <laughs> so I killed and ate him, and I kind of got over my phobia of Larry. It works. Sorry, you killed Larry? Yeah, yeah. I was scared of him, so I killed mm-hmm. him, and I mm-hmm. ate him. What? Okay. Now, now I'm not scared of any Larrys. Sure. Great. You get it? Nope. Um, this is just basic psychology. Like, what are you mm-hmm. not getting? <laughs> just Larry. I mean, Larry was a friend. He was so intimidating just... me playing ba- uh, baseball, right? He was intimidating me. What do you mean by I that? Was... Well, he was throwing pitches inside. But he was the pitcher. I was getting scared. Sure. So after the game, I killed him and ate him. And now I'm not scared of Larry's anymore. Any Larry's. Quick heads up. That's also a forfeit. So on two levels, you've made some terrible decisions. And yet now I'm two steps out of every Larry on earth. Yeah. And we're out of the playoffs. So. Okay. Look, there's some sacrifices had to be made. I mean, mean? I'm going to dominate every Larry in the fucking league now. Every fucking Larry. We Think have one it. game left. It's just, I can't see them going very far without Larry on the mound, honestly. Thank either, you. So. Really matter. I yeah, no, there's, yeah, that's true. It's okay. All right, good, good to catch up. I'm going to run into the forest. Yep. Um, so Tim and Rosemary were kind of screwed, but they linked up in Switzerland with this guy named Michel Houchard, who was a fugitive in his own right, but all, he was like a playboy. He had multiple homes in Switzerland. He told Tim it was, quote, his obligation as a gentleman to protect philosophers, end quote, and that he had cops on the payroll. He's like, don't worry about the cops. I got the cops. I mean, Um, so this guy is just a classic philosopher protector. Totally. Yes, he's just, he's a classic one of your philosopher protectors. He worked, he's actually one of the philosopher protectors. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, They're a great league. A great league. Um, so he's also curious. He's very curious about Leary's writings and what he made from them. And Tim eventually named Hushard Goldfinger. Now, within a few weeks, red flags started to emerge with Hushard, like when his dog was too aggressive to a guest at a dinner party, so he casually had it killed. Um, I'm sorry. Yes, his dog was aggressive, so he had it killed. So that seems so, like it's not his dog. It was his dog. That's how he's just cold blooded. It's not That's, great. No, it's like, I mean, talk also, it's terrible for like on a number of levels, but also talk about killing the vibe at your party. Like, <laughs> you hear that Michelle had his dog killed? He what? His dog killed. He drowned it in the fucking hot tub. All right. The hot tub's off limits, but everything else is fine. Don't worry. That dog won't be sniffing anyone else's coat tonight. Sorry, I didn't know it would shit when I killed it or else it would not have done the tub thing. I killed it again for shitting on me. <laughs> All right. Hey, who likes cheese dip? <laughs> so, so Hushard hooked him and Rosemary up with a nice place with supplies, and he kept saying, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. But um, eventually for that, he told Leary he would need some compensation. 
Now, Tim told him he didn't have very much, and he, he would get some money when he completed his new book. So Tim, again, is now in a different country, but once again, he's under the thumb of a stranger. Now, Hashard became obsessed with Tim finishing his book for reimbursement. So Tim is still off the grid, and one day he's out, and he's recognized by a journalist who asks for a photo op. So Dave, let's, let's walk through this. Okay. You're a fugitive on the run from the law. Mm-hmm. You just took a picture that got you in trouble before. Mm-hmm. Now you're still on the run. They don't know where you are, mm-hmm. and you are asked to take a pic. Do you take the picture? What kind of camera is it? Okay, it's a bad question, which makes it a yes. So Leary, of course, obliged, takes the picture. Here's the thing. Everyone has a fault. This guy, he's just a classic fugitive that loves a photo. It's just, you can, you know, it's not good to love the spotlight and need to stay out of it for your life. It makes it a little hard. It's vexing. So, um, so yeah, so Nixon finds out where he is, and he doubles down on his new war on drugs. He asks Congress for $155 million to get America's most wanted man, and the pressure on the Swiss begins. Jesus fucking Christ. It's worth it. Uh, for one fucking guy who's well, doing acid? It's, 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 it's also, it's, I mean, he's the law and order president, Dave, so he's cleaning up, he's cleaning it up. It's a guy who likes acid. What the fuck is happening? He's going to put him in thought jail. Now, shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So word gets back to Hashard um, about uh, all the pressure. So he tells Tim now he really needs that money to keep him safe. So Tim's like, I, dude, I don't have it. So Hashard writes up a two-page contract that basically gives him the rights to this book that Tim's writing and all of the rest of his books for the next 20 years. Fair. And Tim signs it. Doesn't know what else to do. Feels the pressure. Signs it. Yeah. But... What Tim did not do was get to work on his book, which is what Hachard wanted. Instead, he was having fun in Switzerland being a celeb. That is, of course, until one day the Swiss police arrested him. He was held at prison in solitary confinement, but in the weirdest solitary twist ever, the guards brought Tim OJ, crackers, three types of cheese, fresh shrimp, a whole chicken, lobster, Swiss chocolates, salami, liverwurst, Danish meats, a carton of cigarettes, bottles of wine, and a corkscrew. Though Tim was only allowed one bottle of wine a day. He's Paul, Servino. he's Paul Servino and Goodfellas. Like, what the <laughs> fuck totally is happening? Yes, yeah. So, well, yeah. So he's like, wait, what the hell's going on? And then the last thing they give him is a typewriter and paper. And suddenly he realizes, uh, ah, Hashard, who has the cops on the dole, had me arrested because he's going to put me in here and force me to write this so he can get paid. It's a good idea. And, and when the word hits the U.S. that, that Tim's in a Swiss jail, uh, some hippies in California boycotted Swiss cheese for support. So That can't be real. That's isn't that that can't that can't be real. Huh? Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's real. Yeah. They were like, man, <laughs> we'll show them, man. The system. So holy fuck, man. Tim's Tim's Swiss bail is set at twenty thousand dollars. He's screwed. He's confused. He already owes money. So he, he now is just trying to make get money however he can. So Tim signs over his Berkeley home that he loved to his lawyers, but he's still short. So he does what we would all do. He writes Hugh Hefner a letter asking him for money. Never heard back. This is what I did. Same thing. Yep. Uh, Back in the U.S., Nixon wanted the Commission on Marijuana and Drug Abuse to make, quote, a goddamn strong statement, one that just tears the ass out of, quote, end quote, pot fans. But the commission... (laughs) (laughs) Can't you just hear that? I I want to make a a goddamn strong statement, one that just tears the ass out of pot fans. Tears the ass out of pot fans. So he has this commission... 
that he's excited is going to deliver this, this news about how bad marijuana is. But the commission said after all their research, they concluded that marijuana should be decriminalized. And yeah. Nixon went apeshit. He immediately contradicted them, and he still went ahead with his war on drugs. He was, after all, labeled by himself the law and order president. So and Nixon, let's not forget, it, it, it was literally admitted by the Nixon White House that they created the war on drugs just to imprison black people. This this moment here where Nixon is where where this commission says this should be decriminalized. It's such a moment in time that would have changed the outcome of so many people who have been forced to go to prison for something so ludicrous. A determination that we've already come to pretty much as a country now that it should be totally decriminalized by doing this. He sets it back, you know, 50 years. Yeah. So, so simply. And just because, again, he's decided he's the law and order president, so you've got to just do this shit for your own safety, for your own survival, it's fucking disgusting. And it's so, you know, whatever. So one day in August, um, Tim's in prison, he's in the yard, and he grabs his heart, falls down, and he's rushed to a hospital. He's deemed too sick for prison, though he would still have to pay his bail. In reality, this was a scheme cooked up by Tim's Swiss lawyer, who was awesome. So for his bail, he still has to pay. Rosemary went all over to different Brotherhood members, who again stepped up. Two men brought Rosemary the bail money. It was a simple plan, but it almost got messed up because they all took acid the day they arrived. They thought they were being watched, and they buried the money near a river. The next day, they almost couldn't retrace their steps when sober. This is the problem with being part of, a, of an LSD gang. Uh, and it was all invented. They were just like in a hotel... Or like in a place that they were just like, they were counting the money. And then she was just like, oh my God, what if we're being watched? They were like, we're being watched. And then they buried it near a river. Um, but they did find it. Oh, now, Tim, Tim, who was known as the high priest of LSD, uh, was, you know, in Switzerland. That didn't translate. So the headlines showed off his new name, La Pope de la Drug, the Pope the, of Dope. Oh my God. So he's the Fucking Pope amazing. So Tim's under house arrest, basically, at Hoshard's place when Rosemary left, for, left him for a member of the Brotherhood that she'd already what? been seeing. No. They, he'd kind of known that she'd been seeing this guy, and when he was in jail, she'd kind of been seeing this guy, so he wasn't that surprised. But yeah, it hits him. So the good news for him, however, is that Switzerland has denied Tim's extradition to the U.S. The Swiss just can't fathom why Tim got such a long prison sentence, prison sentence for such a small amount of marijuana. Right. However, the more the Swiss papers revealed about Leary, the less they liked him. Nixon's attempts to make Leary look like a drugged-out criminal is working. So Hoshard tells Tim he's got some more good news, sort of. He's gotten Tim a $250,000 advance on his new book, which is great. After Hoshard's fee, Tim will get $40,000. Good deal, obviously. And by the way, what he did was he, he gave 10 to each of his kids... And then he spent 10 on a Porsche that got totaled. Um, so with the breakup and the steep agent fee, Tim entered a weird dark phase. A friend of Tim's visited him in Switzerland. Wait, Tim- he entered a weird dark phase? That's right. Yep. yep. As compared to what we've already been on? Yeah, things got weird. Uh, his buddy comes and visited him, and his buddy gets him to t- take heroin for the first time. So Tim shoots up uh. heroin. He gets hooked. Tim also took part in orgies of all varieties with his new inner circle, which now included a German artist who Tim claimed had, quote, one of the finest erections in Europe. Yeah. And I know that guy. I know that yes, guy. Yes. That's, that's Larry. That's why yeah, you were yeah. so mad. Um, Larry. So Tim meets Joanna Harcourt Smith at a party in Switzerland. 
She's 26, spoke many languages. She palled around with the Rolling Stones. She was not only very well connected, but she and her shard used to date. And she's come all the way to Switzerland to meet Tim after she felt so bad for him when her shard and her met up for a drink. And he shows off this huge check that he took off a Leary like it's a prize. And that, combined with the fact that Tim was on her list of three men she wanted to sleep with, the other two being JFK and Hendrix, who okay. at the time were harder gets. Let's just say. Well, yeah, I mean, but they'd all fuck her. I mean, sure. all those guys. I uh, the- will bang the shit out of you. I would fuck you and fuck your mother. John, John, what? What? I'm inside you now. <laughs> oh, man, they did like to bang those Kennedys. Anyway, yeah. um, so she's there to liberate Tim from her shard. Now, when she's in Switzerland, she goes there with her boyfriend, whose name is Tommy the Tumbling Dice, who smuggled cocaine for the stones by taping kilos to kids' bellies. What? What kind of kids? Wait, children kids? (laughs) Children kids. Holy fuck. What is happening? Also, great idea. Great fucking idea. Are they his kids? Just random kids? They're not his kids. This is incredible. So, yeah. So to internationally smuggle the drugs, he would like, I guess he would like take a kid that's not his. And he was fucking great. You just borrow one for a trip. I maybe he had him, but it just doesn't sound like, I mean, if he did, he was as good as a father as Tim, but I believe it's not his kids. Who goes along with that plan? Who is like, no, you should totally strap like a couple of kilos of coke to Tim Leary. Tim Leary would be like, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) This is, I call this one guy mule and this one's girl mule. (laughs) Go have them. You don't even have to put it in their bellies. Stuff it in them. They'll eat it. So as soon as she meets Tim, they drop acid, drink wine, fall in love. Tumbling Dice goes home alone. Snake eyes. Now, they get married two weeks later while on cocaine and tripping. Two weeks. He did it again. Yep. He did it again. That's right. It's not, I'm not sure how official this marriage was, but it was, you know, someone oversaw it. Um, on August 5th, 1972, federal agents under Nixon's orders stormed multiple homes in Cali and Hawaii that belonged to the Brotherhood of Eternal Sunshine. They arrested many members, found 1.5 million hits of LSD, tools for forging documents and passports, 30 gallons of hashish, 5K in hash, cocaine weighing in at 2 kilos, and $20,000 in cash. Now, Nixon and his wow. team have already decided they would put this all on Leary, make him the leader, the orchestrator. So Leary is hit with 29 felonies that will Holy result shit. in hundreds of years in prison. His bail is set at a record, a record $5 million. An organized crime prosecutor said, quote, Leary is personally responsible for destroying more lives than any other human being. The number of victims destroyed by drugs and LSD literally runs into the hundreds of thousands. Said the administration that is yeah. destroying, in, in, what, three countries at this point? Yeah. Annihilating Cambodia. Annihilating, Annihilating Vietnam. Jesus fucking Christ. But doesn't it, I mean, you know, it just speaks so clearly. Like, was how big of a tactic was that before Nixon? Because to me, it seems like this was unique in the way that the things were so heinous that were being done and the excuse was so off track. Is that, is this the first time? He, he definitely, more than anybody else, cranked up the war on drugs to a level never before seen. Yeah, this and, is... the, and the general just disregard for any institutional regularities, really, right? I mean, he just... I don't it... know. I mean, you could go back and say there were certainly presidents in, in the past, you know... Has deranged. I mean, I know now we are living through one who has the blueprint 
and is making some improvements off of it. Yes. But he definitely um, has the Nixon blueprint that he's yeah. working off of. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Nixon, look, all the presidents have been, you know, shady, but at the stuff I read about him, I'm just like, Jesus no, Christ. Nixon was out of his fucking mind. And I mean, he, it's also, you know, he was also calling the switchboard at the White House and he would like get advisors on the phone at four in the morning. He'd be hammered and he'd be like, bomb the shit out of Hanoi. Yeah. And they would, they would literally ignore him. And yeah. then the next day, like a couple that broke up, he just wouldn't say anything about it. Yeah. So he'd that's just why, be like, everyone sleep why, good? That's why when I've told people, like, I don't think anybody would ever listen to Trump's orders to nuke is because they, yeah. they, they ignored Nixon all the time. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were just like, oh, grandpa's drunk. Um, so this, this move did what Nixon wanted. It made Tim seem worse, more nefarious, and this made the Swiss fed up. They said, although they did notice their cheese sales had plummeted oh, internationally. Sure. Once, once you lose that California hippie market, that good fucking sunk. luck. So uh, Tim and Rosemary had to leave Switzerland. Now, before he did, Tim was visited by his pregnant daughter, Susan. Susan uh, had, a one year, had her one-year-old with her, and she had just come back from India, and she gave Joanna a bottle of water she took from the Ganges River. She swears by its healing, po- its healing powers. So Joanna drank it. Now, the next day, Joanna oh. woke up orange. She Jesus thought Christ. it was from taking so much acid with Tim. She's like, why the fuck am I orange? But she's feeling sick, and she feels so sick that they rush her to a doctor who immediately diagnosed her with hepatitis from drinking the Ganges water. Now, yeah, it's fucking filthy. It's a filthy yeah. fucking river. Oh, can you imagine pounding There's, a bottle of that river water? I mean, have you ever seen pictures of it? Jesus It's just, Christ. imagine. Swears by its healing powers and you turn it's orange. Like someone came out of a Chevron bathroom with a bottle of fucking toilet water. Was this like, hey, will this heal you. This will heal you. <laughs> Drink this. I can't get in. Go ask the fella for the token and then go in there and take a gulp. So good. So uh, Afghanistan was floated out there as the next possible destination. Oh, my God. It was cheap, and the Brotherhood had roots there from smuggling hash and also from the mass exodus after the Nixon raid. Tim also knew the king's son was a fan of his. So with no money, they left for Afghanistan. On their layover in Beirut, they decided to take a few days because Joanna had a lot of wealthy friends there, and maybe they could wrangle up some money. But they also bumped into a journalist friend of hers who asked Tim for an interview. No. Now, 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 Dave. You're on the rock. Jesus Christ. Okay? Last time you did this and the time before you did this, Ugh. it tipped him off. So you're in this position. Yeah. Do you grant the interview? I do. You're yeah. Very, because here's the thing. I yeah. love to talk to the media. Are we doing That's pictures? Because we can do a photo shoot. With I this. think gladly we could do a spread. We'd love to do a spread. Let's um, call it man on the run. <laughs> here's the country I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. He just can't say no. So he obviously does the interview. Uh, he gets They get no real money from their time there, so they decide to head to Afghanistan. Now, to alleviate Tim's paranoia about being seen, Joanna dyed Tim's hair black. But while the dye was in, they took some acid, they smoked Come some on, weed, they made love. Shut the fuck up. And while then they the remembered dye is in? that the hair dye was supposed to be in for 15 minutes. What is happening? And it happening? had been way longer. What so is happening? They race to the bathroom, they wash it out, and his hair is turned purple. So... <laughs> She, her skin is literally orange and his hair is purple. Oh my um, God. <laughs> so they leave the next morning. Why not? The Oompa Loompas are on the run. L- literally, if a mom and a dad, if I'm Oompa and I'm Loompa and then they fuck, <laughs> we have Oompa Loompa. That's literally how you make an Oompa Loompa. 100%. <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more. So, um, 
So they left the next morning and they get on the plane. But by this point, the CIA and Nixon had seen the Beirut interview that Tim Wisely did. So the CIA does a simple search and got passengers' names for an upcoming flight to Kabul, including Timothy Leary, who still had to fly under his passport. So as Tim is entering the Afghani customs, an American man in a suit literally just takes Tim pass- Tim's passport out of his hands. Then the Afghan customs come right up to him and they take Tim into custody for not having a passport. It was all coordinated. Uh. It was, yeah, pre, pre, pre-decided that was going to happen. So they take him to the Plaza Hotel, which is actually like a jail. Now, Afghanistan's prime minister heard all of this, and he contacted the Nixon White House. Weighing his options, he wanted millions of dollars, and he wanted it to remain private. Talking to Nixon would be considered an embarrassment internationally. On January 16, 1973, Tim was assured by Hari, the king of Afghanistan's nephew, that they would be allowed to stay. He apologized for the mix-up and gave them some weed and oranges. However, <laughs> which is the good? Isn't that nice? These, these oranges are the color of my woman. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, <laughs> peel your wife. Uh, <laughs> is your wife seedless? So, Squeeze um, her, see what happens. Uh, so the next day, they are woken up, and they are told that they have to leave for the airport immediately. They're rushed on a flight to Beirut. Tim pushes back. He says he's not going to fly without his passport. They promise his passport will be returned as soon as he lands in no, Beirut. No, that's not going to happen. So they forced him and, Rose, uh, him and Joanna at gunpoint to get on the plane. And as soon as they stepped on the plane, a man named Burke, who was Bureau of Narcotics and a total dickhole, literally said, quote, Burke's the name, dopes the game. I'm here to bring you back to the United States, Dr. Leary. Oh, my quote. God. How long did this asshole practice it in the mirror? F- Without, fucking hours. Since uh. he was nine. Just <laughs> with a different name. <laughs> Burke's the name. Blank's the game. Yeah, he just had a Mad Lib. Burke's the name. Blank's the game. I'm here to blank you back to the blank. Blank, blank. <laughs> I'll get him. That'll be good, Burke. So they're on the plane. Burke sends a message that uh, says to Nixon, Leary, hi again. Oh. And this is all great PR for Nixon as he's being sworn in for his second term in just two days. Uh, now, on one of the flights that they were flying back to America was a two-story plane where Tim and Joanna had sex twice. So What? Yeah, that's right. Burke caught him having sex. They On the second flight, it's kind of weird because it's basically like it just becomes a party and Burke kind of parties with them. So they're all just kind of like hanging out. Like it's Tim's last time he's going to be free. They're, they're drinking, fucking. they're smoking. And he, Burke catches them fucking once and he like stops them. And then another time he's like sees them like kind of fucking like on some seats. So who the hell knows what's going on? Why? But, how do you, I guess, like, he, why do you stop him from fucking? Let him fuck. Who gives a shit? He actually did let him fuck. He was basically know, like, they the were first... fucking on the stairs. Yes. Yeah. But eventually he had a couple cocktails. He's like, hey, can I fuck? Oh, my God. You know, what we should fuck? do some of that LSD, Tim. I mean, the people just don't understand what the 70s were. Like, it's just madness. By the way, that's your escape plan. You give him acid and give him empathy. That <laughs> is truly how you get out of that situation. That's your movie. We need to give him acid so that he yeah. learns love. And he'll <laughs> let me go. That's your best play. That's, that's, what else are you going to do? Is, jump? It is your best play. Um, so at his trial, Tim is shackled. He's manacled. His defense uh, says that he, his escape occurred because he had taken so much acid, so he was still technically tripping on acid, so he was not of right mind at all. Didn't work. He's found guilty. He's given 15 years for escaping. More to oh. come. He's headed to Folsom Prison, where the worst criminals are sent. Hard yeah, Folsom's bad. 
So once he's settled at Folsom, uh, a fellow prisoner gifts him with some paper and tobacco and asked him how he takes his coffee. And he gave him some great psychedelic readings. Oh, and that guy was Charles Manson. <laughs> so, so, so Tim and Charles Manson form the weirdest this friendship. This is like Z-League, man. This is this just, is just this is This to me feels like, remember when they did that series where they would just put celebrities together, like Michael Jackson and Elizabeth yeah. Taylor after 9-11 and it got yanked with Marlon Brando? That's what it feels like. But they, so they become friends in there and uh, they're like a serious odd couple. Like Manson is constantly just like, look, dude, acid makes you kill. And Tim would be like, no, no, acid makes you love, Charlie. And like, that was their relationship. <laughs> But um, talk about an odd couple. Totally, yeah. Just like yeah, like 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 it's just like Tim's picking up an ear off the ground with his umbrella, holding it up to Charles. He's like, what? (laughs) So um, Tim is also treated horribly there. As someone who had seen the horrors of what solitary can do to prisoners, Tim was now on the other side. The prison guards drugged him, put him in a straitjacket, shaved his head. He was on edge and confused. Joanna put it best: "Quote." Isolation is not only to keep someone in a box, but it is so they unlearn to communicate with the outside world. Yeah, yeah. Isolation, uh, solitary is nothing more than torture, and it shouldn't it's, be legal anywhere. It goes, it goes vile, along with thing. it goes along with all the systematic failures and changes yeah. we are shouting about right now. I mean, it's just the the value of life. We I have, mean, you, we have. The American government has zero uh, concern about humanity or the suffering of really anyone. in many circles are embraced for doing so. Yes. It's fucking crazy. Um, May 25th, 1974 was the day that Timothy Leary became a government informant. Oh, uh, shit. Tim's FBI file was four feet thick and weighed 23 pounds. Don't you narc on Charlie! <laughs> Actually, that's part of the reason they were probably put together was to see if they would narc on, if they would like bring up stuff to each other that then they could use when they turned. So it was pretty amazing calculated. Um, so he agrees to work with the FBI, but the Brotherhood is pretty much behind bars, or they fled, whether underground or all in hiding. So they want Tim to turn on his mustache lawyer, Michael Kennedy. So do Michael, we know, was, do we know how many people were in the Brotherhood? There was a lot of people in the Brotherhood. I mean, yeah. it 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 wasn't a huge group like. It's kind of probably like the Merry Pranksters, which I didn't have room to really get into. But, um, you know, there are just these little groups of probably like 20 to 30 people that are all kind of finding different ways to make this culture pop. Like the Merry Pranksters did the Kool-Aid acid test. That's where the Grateful Dead came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Brotherhood are just, you know, they're really supplying the, the drugs of the era. Right. Um, but there's not, I don't think there's like 100. I mean, I think it's like, you know, 30 people or something like that. Okay. Um, so they they want Tim to flip on Michael, who was a, a, a prominent lawyer in the counterculture. So um, Tim told them that the escape was Michael's idea and that he had led Tim through how to do it step by step. So Joanna, wearing a wire, tries to entrap Michael into confessing, but Michael completely sees right through it and doesn't confess. Anyone they're trying to get on tape pretty much sees right through it. They know there's bullshit. Can you tell me how you talked Timothy into escaping i didn't when he didn't want I didn't. to i didn't can he you wanted say to. it too into my chest i hear better if you talk into my chest about how you told timothy to joanna get out of prison joanna i never said that i think but i will say that in your chest i will 
That yeah, I've got a handlebar yes. mustache. Might feel tell me tickly. how. Tell me how you told Timothy to escape from prison. I did not do that. Into my chest. That is not what I did. Do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should not have done. Oh my god! I'm an attorney, and he goes to jail. We got him. We got, got him. Son of a bitch. We got him on motorboating. We got him on motorboating. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, everybody sees through it. So they get desperate, the FBI and they all get fucking desperate. So then they're, they're finally like, all right, why don't you go and get Jerry Brown, uh, who has nothing to do with anything, What? but they're just like, go get Jerry what? Brown. So, what? so, so the plan is that she's going to wear a wire and then she's going to go get smoke weed with Jerry Brown. And then she's going to have sex with Jerry Brown. And then it's going to be the scandal that's going to throw off his run for governor. Oh. Um, but, but when she gets one-on-one with him, like she eventually gets in a car with him and instead of like going How? through with it, she How just- How does that happen? She says she's a reporter. She's just a ton of bullshit. And she just like, she keeps bullshitting, bullshitting. And she's, she's very attractive. So, you know, he, I'm sure took, you know, took some sort of like, oh, okay, why don't you come on, come in the brown mm-hmm. car, uh, which was beige. Well, and, and, um, I mean that in more ways than one. Do you know what I mean? Uh, David. And um, so, so she gets, she gets one-on-one with him. But then instead of doing any of the stuff they talked about, she reveals that she's Joanna Leary, she's Tim's wife, and that if Jerry Brown wins governor, he's got to get him out of jail. And Jerry Brown is like super freaked out and is like, get away from me. And that's the end of that. Is she um, wearing a wire? No wire at that point? I think she was wearing a wire, yeah. Okay. But she's I think really, she also, yeah. I mean, she's a super bad narc. She, she was on a lot of drugs and she was doing whatever she could to help Tim's case. I mean, but yeah, she yeah. admits she was like, fucked up um so that didn't work so tim and the feds now turned to busting george chula who was not only tim's attorney at many times but that of the brotherhood he's a good lawyer always took the side of the underdog and joanna goes out to dinner with him one night and she says she needs an ounce of cocaine for tim to distribute in jail so chula's like sure but four days later he comes back to joanna and he's totally freaked out and he says that he feels like she's setting him up she's like what are you talking about he's like well this lifeguard just came up to me and he asked me who I was because four cops have been watching me and she assures him that everything's fine. And then, so he gives her what's left of like a gram of Coke and some joints. And then they bust him and Julia's put away for like, Chula's put away for like 45 days. And by many accounts, it ruined him. Like it wow. put him in a terrible headspace. He just was never the same after that. She's a narc. They all know. They just were looking for help, but it doesn't do anything. Like there's the, the truth is, that it's Timothy Leary is not going to get out of jail from doing this. They already know that. They're right. just doing this to break him. And right. then what they eventually did was the feds leaked out the fact that Leary had flipped to the public. So oh. Tim went from the face of the counterculture to its enemy. New York Times, quote, Leary scored as cop informant by his son and two close friends. Now, that headline is taken from a press conference that was held. This is where Ram Das was asked whether Timothy Leary was a scoundrel or a rascal. And Ram Das said, quote, a rascal is only a mischievous, fun-loving prankster who really doesn't want to hurt anyone. But a scoundrel is malicious, and people get hurt. End quote. Das said jail had made Tim the latter. At the end of it all, Jerry Rubin said, the 60s are finally dead. That was just a funeral. Which is a great line. That is a good line, but it it's sounds a great like little, it was practiced. Yeah, for sure. Totally, totally. But still, it must have been. I mean, it's definitely a line where you go, the 60s are already over. The 60s are finally dead. And then you turn around. That was just the funeral. And then you leave. That's how that works. Um, okay, so then in 75, Tim sees his old buddy and ex-captor, Eldridge Cleaver, who was moved to Folsom. 
Oh, my God. So we get a reunion. Now, Cleaver himself had fled Algeria and went to Paris to take a shot at a fashion line. He made the Cleavers, cod-pieced pants for guys. Cleaver said, quote, I am against penis binding, end quote. (laughs) They failed. (laughs) You know what? I realize I've been fighting for justice my whole life and, and against white supremacy, but isn't it? time for me to switch gears and just let the dick hang you know the white man pushed us down for so long but that's nothing compared to what my underpants are doing to my schlong hi i'm eldridge cleaver creator of the cleavers codpiece pants for men let your dick swing cleavers i'm against penis binding (laughs) okay so penises are held down by pants the way the black man is held down by american society uh, I could go again, but no. Uh, on April 20th, 1976, Tim got some good news. His possibility of parole had improved since the judge who was initially overseeing the Laredo arrest died in a hunting accident. So that's good. Oh, shit. He got, so yeah. against all odds, on April 21st, 1976, Tim posts bail and he's released. He spent four years in jail and two and a half in solitary. It broke him. And, he, and you can he, was he he was just let out because there was a new judge? It wasn't uh, anything else. Pretty much. I mean, it. You know, the, it was all such bullshit that yeah. it's like by the time, but four years later, you know, it, Nixon's out of office. He, you know, everything Nixon said is kind of now. Yeah. It's anti. It's anti what people believe now, even the cultish people. So it's been enough time where like it just doesn't make much sense. And the Reagan-appointed judge from before is gone. So it's probably a little bit of the culture shift and a bit of luck. But, but yeah. for whatever reason, he's out. So, um, but he finds out right away that freedom isn't free. He had so many death threats that he and Joanna were put into the witness protection program immediately. They were told they were going to be moved to Salt Lake City. They said they don't want to go to Salt Lake City. Santa Fe, New Mexico, it was. I don't know. (laughs) Salt Lake City is perfect for an old acid head. Oh, but this was probably, though, when their rules were so crazy about alcohol. It probably probably had to do with alcohol. Um, So Tim and Joanna, sorry, James and Nora Joyce, after Tim's favorite author, James Joyce, would be given $700 a month stipend in New Mexico. Now, Tim would still do interviews in the witness protection program. How is that possible? I'm not 100% sure. But um, he would do interviews. Because he can't stay away. He can't stay away. Also, how does a famous person go into witness protection? It seems crazy to me, too. I mean, essentially, they were just off the grid. But they would still sneak out and do stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, he... I don't even really, I think it just, I think the heat off of them eventually just kind of lifts. Like it's initially very bad, but it's not like he like, you know, ratted on the mob. He's right. just kind of vilified for a while and then it just kind of lifts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, in an article in People, when Joanna came home, she quote, ran to Leary as though she hadn't seen him in years. This is the People article. They embrace and gaze at each other with intensity. End article. In reality, they fought constantly and Tim's drinking was out of control. When he was sober, he sat in front of his typewriter lamenting that nothing would come out. He and Joanna finally broke up at a Star Trek convention. (laughs) (laughs) Just yelling at each other in front of Klingons. (laughs) Well, you live long and prosper too, bitch. You live long and prosper, you dick. Uh, 
<laughs> All Your right. features are on bullshit. God damn it. I mean, Nora, Nora, I'm ending. James is ending it with you, Nora. You're a fucking red shirt, Nora. <laughs> That's it. You do not enter the captain's quarters any longer. Um, so, uh, so they break up at a Star Trek convention. Obviously, uh, that was where they break up. So Joanna's now pregnant with a baby that she thought was Tim's, but she couldn't be sure because yeah. she'd been with another man the day of conception. So under yeah, the birth yeah. certificate, I mean, that happens. where it says father, she wrote, do not wish to divulge. Actually, <laughs> Tim at one point does hold the baby, and uh, she's like, it might be yours. And he just goes, this is all way too cosmic for me. So <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Quite a, uh, quite that's a, a good dad. That's yeah, a good a, dad. That's a good dad. So, so things calm down for Tim. Uh, and in 1976, he's free. Um, he's single. He's driving a Ford Pinto to Los Angeles to find fame and fortune. Oh my God. Again, he's die in a Ford Pinto. That's, this is where we, this is where we finally go into the small up. Um, now the last chapter of Tim's life is a bit of a furious blur. He had a radio show that got canceled due to him being sponsor-proof. He became an ally and a friend of Larry Flint. He did a lot of public speaking. In 1982, he actually did a run of theater shows where he debated none other than G. Gordon Liddy, who had been his oh. enemy years ago. Yeah, I remember, I remember hearing about that. The, the two became friends. He yeah. also performed at the Improv as a stand-up philosopher. He did like eight go. shows at Bud Friedman's Improv. I'm going to uh, wrap this up now. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, you feel like we're getting the light? Um so he would meet actress Barbara Chase. They took MDMA for three days straight and were married on the third. They divorced Jesus in 90. 90- Christ, stop <laughs> fucking marrying people after fucking four days. What the fuck it's, is going it on? Just, it kind of just makes me be like, whatever, just get married. I don't know why I worry about it so much. This dude was just like, he was treating it. I mean, he was just treating it like a buffet. He's like, I have a little bit of that. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> So he and Barbara divorced in 93, but Tim remained an adoptive and good father to her son, Zach, long after. Sadly, he had not done well with his others. Susan, his daughter, was very mentally ill. She spent a lot of her life in and out of institutions, and she beat one of her children so badly once she was arrested. She shot her boyfriend, and she hung herself with her own shoelaces in a Los Angeles jail in 1990. What? Jack Leary remained estranged from his father and also had a lot of time in psychiatric facilities. Jack Leary, quote, he was pretty much always inept at being a father to me and Susan. Actually, he would sometimes moan about us being the millstones around his neck. A couple of times I could have died in my childhood from lack of food of water, food and water, end quote. Holy shit. So that's not, that's not, yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, I've been only been a dad for 11 years, but the, a couple of things that I provide mm-hmm. to my son are food mm-hmm. and water. Mm-hmm. It's just like a. That's actually like a super. But, but low... Dave, you're a good dad. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, a yeah. really but, good dad. But that's like a really low bar as far as things you're you really provide good dad, and don't provide to your uh, kid. Like water is like maybe the lowest. Don't they water themselves though? No, actually, uh, I mean, at a certain age, they can water themselves. But so then up they want point. They they actually need. They you have to give them water. Yeah. Ugh, it just sounds so fucking annoying. That's why sea monkeys, to me, are just the perfect level of commitment with a smaller being. I agree. And they fuck like a racehorse. Yeah. Yeah. I dated one. Yeah. Um, so, also, Leary got way into computers, the internet, even virtual reality. And he really did see that wave coming. Quote, the PC is the LSD of the 1990s. End quote. He even tweaked his old, tweaked his old catchphrase to, quote, turn on, boot up, and jack in. 
Yeah, there was a whole, uh, there was a whole, that was a part of a counterculture thing where uh, now these sort of older people got into online. Yeah, he had a website, like he had web designers and shit. He was like way ahead of all that. Um, But it wasn't just that. He also was into space colonization. He Uh, proposed that 5,000 of Earth's best should be launched in a vessel with very classy amenities. That's right. Which actually, now that you hear that, doesn't that make so much sense about Star Trek? He was like, that's a really good idea. We should do that. Let's do Star Trek. But for real. Um, He also became an advocate for gay rights. Uh, Some think it was because he was an ally. Some wonder if he saw a trend and a way to write his earlier insensitive statements. But either way, he he did march uh, early on for gay rights. In uh, 1995, Tim found out that he had inoperable prostate cancer. Tim was, quote, thrilled. He... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's, I got to say, that's a, that's a very counter uh, culture reaction. I don't think, okay, well, I've just, I don't know how people process death. I've never heard of anyone process it like this. So, thrilled? well, beyond thrilled. So, so the rest of Tim's time is pretty much spent smoking Benson and Hedges and drinking. He wanted to celebrate his death, make it a party. He basically opened up his home to people to do just that. And many, many, many people came. Many people came. People would just be hanging out in his house. You could talk to him. It was crazy. But it was not enough people for Tim who said, quote, seven million people I turned on and only 100,000 have come by to thank me. (laughs) His His daily intake in 1995 after his diagnosis was reported to be three cups of coffee, 36 cigarettes, four glasses of champagne, two midnight brownies, Leary biscuits that were crackers with weed, 12 balloons of nitrous oxide, ketamine, DMT, a fentanyl patch, and three lines of cocaine. He would go through... What else did he have? He would go through... This is... He would go through 800 pounds of nitrous oxide in his final years. Holy shit. He literally is doing nitrous all the time. He eventually stops using a balloon and he just goes right up to the tank and rips it. Oh, so my he, God. That's really fucking bad for you. But also, he doesn't have a long time. But He doesn't care. He partied, He went crazy. He, Ram Dass and he do, like, a reunion thing, or, or at least, like, a goodbye, where Ram Dass comes to his place. And Tim is smoking, and he's drinking, and Ram Dass just looks like this preserved human. Like, And Tim's like, uh-huh. Um, oh, my God. That's so So, creepy. Tim, there was one question that really remained for Tim. What to do with his impending death? As he always did, Tim made it a spectacle. He was pretty sure he wanted to be frozen, or just his head. Then, when he was brought back, he wanted to, it, his head to be attached to the body of a gorgeous black woman. So Okay, uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm in. It's interesting. Uh, but it's a good idea. He, he wasn't just fucking what, around. Can I ask a question, though? Yeah. How, how does the poor black woman get involved? Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't. I, mean, I don't. Because that's I don't, not. I think that's. I think that's going to be. Maybe that's why he moved off of it. Because there is. Yeah. It, it's implied. Like for him, it's a great idea. It's not as great for the black woman. I mean, I don't think it works well for anybody. I don't know. It's cool. I mean, it's different. You know, it's he likes different. to be. He likes to be an oddball. But he was not kidding about being frozen. Like he literally had cryogenic people bring over a freezing kit and everything. Like there's this bag, there's all this stuff. Basically, his body would be frozen, his heart would be kept alive. Then they cut, they freeze and cut off your head 
it's crazy. But um, so Tim moved off of that, and eventually he told his reporter his new plan was to kill himself online. So Perfect. he's eventually dissuaded from that, and he decides on cremation. But he wanted to leave his cells behind for cloning. When he was asked where he wanted his ashes <laughs> spread... You know what? There's no. got to be more of me. This can't be the only one. It I mean, is. I've had such a great run. What, why wouldn't you want more? Everyone's going to want it, more of this. It would be like gremlins. You'd be like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> who fed him? It'd just be like eight little acid bunnies. Like, ah. <laughs> um, When he was asked where he wanted his ashes spread, Tim said, quote, in space. Yep. On May 31st, Tim was surrounded by his close-knit friends and hundreds of other people. He was speaking, though very out of it. He said, compandre, esperando, mm-hmm. which means I'm waiting. Oh, I thought they were magic words of some kind that were going to cast a spell. Com- a friend appears. <laughs> compadre. And a, and a, Hello. And, a, and an elephant. Hello. Oh, I said the words wrong. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. Oh, tortuga. That means turtle. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> Did not know that's what that was. Uh, as Tim is passing, passing, he spoke up and asked why, followed by why not. Tim's very last word was simply beautiful. And he was gone. 12.44 a.m. on June 1st. Under a year later, from the Canary Islands, a rocket took off with seven grams of no. Timothy Leary's ashes in them. How? Destination, how? space. He was accompanied by 24 other sets of ashes. Among them, Gene Roddenberry, the man who made Star Trek. What? How, how did he get his... How? Who paid for that? Why did that happen? It's just, it's, I mean... Who paid for it? Who, ga- who gave him why? I, I, who I, people would give him so much stuff. I'm sure someone was just like, we'll make... Actually, they, I believe they showed him this before he died, that they had secured this, and he was over the moon. Literally. Jesus but, Christ. What but also, fuck? he was so excited. Yeah, I, I, yeah, okay. I was right. I, I don't like him. Tim's life is very hard to define or describe. Well, that's because he's that shit crazy. Even he said it, quote, about a third of what I say is flat out bullshit. And a third of what I've said is just dead wrong. But a third of what I've said have been home runs. I'm batting 333, which puts me in the Hall of Fame. Nope. Hunter S. Thompson might have said it best in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Quote, we are all wired into a survival trip now. No more of the speed that fueled the 60s. That was the fatal flaw in Tim Leary's trip. He crashed around America selling consciousness expansion without ever giving a thought to the grim meat-hook realities that were laying in wait for all the people who took him seriously. All those pathetically eager acid freaks who thought they could buy peace and understanding for three bucks a hit. But their loss and failure is ours too. What Leary took down with him was the central illusion of a whole lifestyle that he had helped create. A generation of permanent cripples, failed seekers, who never understood the essential old mystic fallacy of the acid culture. The desperate assumption that somebody, or at least some force, is tending to the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, Dave, I'll say this. Hallucinogens can have a real impact. I can tell you that from finding out many times. They can provide the reassurance or the breakthrough that humans can't. Psilocybin is partially legal in the States in places like Denver and Oakland, but it's close to getting full legalization in Washington State. Tim outed Cary Grant for taking LSD. When asked about it, Grant said, quote, It's too bad LSD is illegal. It should be controlled. It's the same as taking a shot of brandy, which can do you good. LSD is hallucinogenic, not addictive. 
end quote. And I agree. Yeah. So now we're going to go great. through the credits of the of this movie. Okay. Okay. So um, you're going to see pictures in your head like it's the credit sequence. And these are updates. Albert Hoffman lived to be 102. He and Leary actually met a number of times when he was in Switzerland. He's the guy who invented LSD on accident. Uh-huh. Albert found Tim to be at times totally misguided. Baba Ram Dass and Tim Leary reconciled before he passed. He came up with the dying project. Ram Dass inspired people to take a look at what death is and became a big proponent of hospice over intensive care. Okay. He was brilliant and died last December. Rosemary went into hiding for 23 years after she left him. She turned herself in eventually, and in 1994, a judge threw out the charges against her. Joanna Harcourt Smith is still a writer and a poet who has a podcast called Future Primitive. She's been working on a book called Change Your Beliefs, Change Your Life, Surviving Timothy Leary. (laughs) Nina von Schelbrusch married a Western monk who was blind in one eye that she met at Millbrook. The two wed within a month and would have a child named Uma Thurman. Jack what Leary, the fuck just happened? Jack Leary, stop it right now. Jack Leary has a podcast called "It's All Happening," or sorry, Zach Leary, not Jack. Zach Leary has a podcast called "It's All Happening." Michael Kennedy was Ivana Trump's lawyer when she sued Donald Trump, and lastly, uh, Eldridge Cleaver endorsed Reagan for president in 1980. And that's it. Oh, that was a twist. That last that last sentence. People can get better. People can come around to your system, man. Oh, my God. What the fuck? So that's the craziest life. I'm glad I didn't take anybody's suggestions to write that one up because I hate him. He is a very, it's very hard to know how you feel about him, at least for me, because there is this, there was at one time this element of total goodness that did see yeah. a change, a way to change civilization and make things better. The problem is, sort of to what Hunter S. Thompson said, is that there just wasn't much of a plan. Right. So, There's no plan. So there was not much there other than just you have this time where you go, oh my, it's very much like his life, the movement. I mean, it went from being like so bright and, and so many possibilities, and then it just fizzled and became kind of dark and sad. And then also, you know, the 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 outside forces of Nixon just being an incredible totally. fucking lunatic like doesn't help yeah. the situation. Well, what I mean, what what would have what happens if you leave again? I mean, it's like the the marijuana thing. Like what what happens if you let Timothy Leary and that culture keep going? What hap- yeah. you know, like but Nixon completely shut it down and again like set back marijuana legislation, you know. Decades and decades. Yeah. But but there you go, man. Wow. Timothy Leary. Quite a... And I, there's a lot of stuff about him that's going to be coming out in the next year or something. Like, I think... I know Imagine's doing a docuseries, and then I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, you're going to see a bunch... Of, Jack Nicholson was supposed to play him in a movie. Wow. And, um, and, and, like, Timothy... He worked on a movie for ages, and then he ended up ripping off his co-writer... But he always thought Jack Nicholson would play it. And then somebody asked Nicholson, and they were like, are you going to play him? And he goes, who wouldn't want to play Timothy Leary? He's fucked everyone. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I should say that there, there's just so many great books that I read for this. Like, um, uh, 
There's yeah, a great oh, documentary yeah. called Dying to Know. There's a book, The Harvard Psychedelic Club by Don Latin, Outside Looking In by T.C. Boyle, which is unbelievable. That's not even... T.C. Boyle's an amazing writer. The, the book he wrote about this is uh, unbelievable. Do you remember we were traveling once and I was on a plane and I was just like, I just finished this book and it just blew my mind. Oh, yeah. It was that one. Um, uh, then there's Timothy Leary, a biography by Robert Greenfield, The Most Dangerous Man in America by Bill Minitolagio and Stephen L. Davis, and then other shit too, but but there's a lot of people. Uh, it's really nuts. Yeah. So there you go, bitch. I don't. I can't see you, by the way. Hi. Uh, oh, there you are. Uh, yeah. I, again, I didn't like him, and I don't. Yeah, I get it. Like I get it, man. The guy was. I mean, he he basically operated under survival instinct for half of his life, and his instincts were pretty bad. And and when you're trying to like plan something, you know, open people's minds, and then you're you just, I mean, you can't become addicted to LSD, but you can certainly become addicted to not living in reality. I think he was probably addicted to LSD in some capacity, and I think you're right. I think, I mean. He took acid every... I mean, everybody who would be with him, he would be like, let's take acid every day. Yeah, yeah. There's a story actually about George Clinton and the P-Funk. They took... And Bootsy Collins. They took acid for literally like 20 years straight. No joke. <laughs> every day. That me at all. It's crazy. There, that could be its own thing. But I mean, I thought about it. But it's just... Like James Brown hires him and James Brown is just like, what's going on with you guys? And they're just like, oh, tripping their balls off. <laughs> And then they said for one show, James Brown drank some of it and he went out on stage and he was just tripping his balls off. And they were like, oh, oh my God. God. I yeah. mean, like the first time I did acid, I did it for four days straight. Yeah. It again. I mean, what he was what he was preaching is what we kind of are having now, you know, yeah. like certified people are giving you these these journeys. A guided journey like that is so much different than just. Yeah, leaving yeah. someone with a bunch of tabs of acid and being like, figure it out. Like those guided journeys can set and setting is very true for tripping. Like you want the right set, the right vibe, the right music, the right energy. So there's stuff that he like laid out that is totally stuff that is true and, you know, is helpful now. There's just a bunch of other shit that's just off the beaten path and crazy. Right. Well, you did there it. There you go. There we go. All right. I hope you're proud of yourself. I hope you're proud of myself. <laughs> oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. after it. Let's see you there.
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 